Father, we know that you are here in our midst. Father, as we've sung these songs to you, our prayer is that they've been pleasing to your ears this morning, Father. Thank you for drawing us near to you today. We feel your presence. Father, many today are not able to be here. Illnesses, sicknesses. We lift up Linda Allen to you today. Pray that you be with her and Joe. Father, we pray for others that are going through sickness and illnesses. Father, we pray that as we go out from this place today, that we would carry your spirit with us. Father, we're grateful for the ultimate sacrifice that you paid for us. Father, it is our honor and joy to celebrate you today in this place. Father, we lift up our pastor to you today. Father, we pray that you would use him in a mighty way as you speak through him today. Father, that you continue to be with all the ministries in our church as we seek to reach people for you, Father, to bring them up and to build them up and to send them back out to be warriors for you. Father, you are holy, you are worthy, and you are our King Jesus, as we've sung this morning. We thank you and praise you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Be seated. Thank you again for being here today. I just want to start by celebrating all that God is doing in our church. We have sung some of the great songs. I have not sung several of those songs in quite a while that we sang today and really Really enjoyed worship. Um, God is doing great things in our church. We are celebrating a Wednesday night study that is just busting at the seams. If you have not been with us on Wednesdays, I'm teaching a, a session called Be Still. And um, Marla Woolsey will begin a study this Wednesday called Redeeming Your Time. And so I encourage you to connect with us on Wednesdays. We're still celebrating our Sunday school kickoff and have seen wonderful attendance in Bible study these last several weeks. We're also celebrating the Navarro football team. We continue to see things happen there. I ask you to continue to pray for those young men. Uh, several are deeply considering a decision to follow Jesus Christ. And we're walking with some of them, and so I want you to pray for that. That is super exciting um, as well. So there are just so many great things we could talk about today. But I am excited to be back in our ongoing sermon series. We are back in it today. Um, a study in the Gospel of Mark that we're calling The Remarkable Life of Jesus. And so far in this series, uh, we have learned that the Gospel according to Mark was really the Gospel according to Peter. Uh, Peter was a disciple of Jesus. He was the eyewitness to all these things that we'll be talking about. And John Mark was simply his recording secretary. And so Mark established his name on the document. The gospel of Mark, we learned, is a gospel, is a book of action. Jesus is moving here. Jesus is moving there. And the words quickly and immediately are just replicit through the text. And so our first sermon was on John the Baptist, and that was a wonderful message, the first First Baptist preacher. We talked a little bit about repentance, and then last week we learned if you're not fishing for Jesus, then you're not following Jesus. In other words, if we're not out there trying to lead people to faith in Jesus Christ, then we're not being obedient to the Lord. 
But today we come to the calling of Levi as one of Jesus' disciples. And the title of this morning's message is Hosting a Supper for Sinners. I want you to take your Bibles with me today, if you would. Let's stand together as we honor the reading of God's Word, as is our tradition here at First Corsicana. And we're going to be in Mark chapter 2 today, verse 13. I told you throughout this series that we will not preach every passage through the series, um, but we will just begin to walk chronologically um, through the chapters, and we're just going to take different um, sections of Scripture. And if you don't know this word, you need to know it. It's called a pericope of Scripture. That's a small section. And so we'll be taking a pericope today, and we'll be studying that, the calling of Levi. Let's take God's Word, Mark chapter 2, beginning in verse 13, and let's read the text this morning. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake, and a large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. If you would, go ahead and have your seat today. And and as you do so, I want to start off with a question. We want to get right into this this morning. Have you ever wondered if you were good enough for God? Now, that's a very pertinent question to ask among God's people. It's a pertinent question to ask among society today because there are many people who stay away from God. There are many people who stay away from church because they've figured in their mind that they're just simply not good enough for God. And if you're thinking in terms of performance, you're absolutely right because God is perfect and God is holy. None of us measure up to his standards. We all fall short of the glory of God. But I've got some additional questions. What if God is not primarily interested in performance? What if God is interested in something else like relationships? If that were the case, it would change everything. What if you didn't have to be good enough for God? What if God took care of that for you? What if God called sinners to himself rather than just perfect people? You see, folks, that's what this passage is about. That's what this Bible story is speaking to this morning. Jesus is hosting a supper for sinners, and that's incredibly good news. Somebody ought to say amen. Now, the very first point I want to make today as we begin to to study into this passage of Scripture is that Jesus calls sinners to follow him. Now, in this ongoing story of Mark, and like I said earlier, we're not touching every single point in it. If you look back above this text, you'll see that Jesus has just healed a man who was paralyzed. And then he walks out, the text says, to the lake. Now, we know that's also the Sea of Galilee. It's more than just simply a lake. 
And as Jesus was walking along, he sees Levi sitting at a tax collector's booth. Now, I want to be clear today, for those of us who might not make the connection, Levi is the same person called Matthew in the Scripture. It's like Simon, but also Peter. This, like Peter and also Paul and also Saul. This is Levi, who is also known as Matthew. He's the same Matthew who wrote the Gospel of Matthew here in the New Testament. And Levi, or Matthew's job, was to collect a tax. It was his job to collect a toll from the people entering the city. In other words, his taxing booth was like a toll booth. How many of us like to pay the tolls when we drive up in the Metroplex? It drives me crazy. But Jesus passes by this toll booth and he calls Levi to follow him. It was the very same that we saw happen last week. It's just like he called Peter and Andrew and James and John. But before you think this was just a commonplace calling of Jesus, before you get the idea that this was just something non-extraordinary, you have to realize exactly how people saw tax collectors in the day of Jesus. Now, folks, I'm not sure about you, but I don't know of anyone who is overly fond of the IRS agent. I don't know of anyone who just jumps for joy when a bill collector calls. That's how we see those people in our society today. But in the New Testament times, folks, it was so much worse. These people were scoundrels. Tax collectors were some of the most despised people on planet Earth. These people were extracting money from the occupying force. They were fellow citizens who were making sure that Rome got their tax. And not only that, they were allowed to keep a piece of the pie for themselves. So I think it's safe today that scoundrels just might not be a strong enough word. Let's be a little bit stronger today so that we're appropriate in the minds of the Israelites in this time. These people were blood-sucking turncoats. Now that's strong, isn't it? There was widespread corruption among the tax collectors of the day. Now now I began to think about, is there anybody that we could relate this to? And the only thing that, that I could relate it to was the situation that they have in Mexico. Now, I'm sure there are plenty of honest policemen in Mexico. And and I'm sure there are many who are trying to fight that tough battle between drugs and the drug cartels. But unfortunately, as many of us know, over the years, Mexican police have developed a reputation for corruption. They're in a position of power. They use it to their advantage. And they've been known to take bribes or extort money from those who are foreign travelers. Now, this is exactly the situation, I believe, that they were facing in Israel with these tax collectors. Tax collectors had a reputation for being dishonest and corrupt, and they were extortionists. Now, William Lane gives me the strongest words that I've read about this, and I want to share these with you. He's a Bible scholar. He says, when a Jew entered the customs service, that's the way he referred to it, when a Jew entered the customs service, he was regarded as an outcast from his society. He was disqualified immediately as a judge or a witness in any court trial. He was excommunicated even from the synagogue and in the eyes of the community, his disgrace extended even to his family. 
So church, put all that in context. This is the person Jesus is calling. This is who Levi is. This is who Matthew is. This is the man that Jesus openly said, come follow me. So now do you see, there are a lot of people today who believe that God would never call them to follow him. They think God doesn't want anything to do with me. I could never become one of those Christians. And they talk about even if they walked into the church that the roof may fall on their heads. You see, maybe you feel that way today. Maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, that's kind of the way I felt walking in here this morning. Maybe you're watching online today and the only reason you're watching online is you feel like it's safer there than it might be here because you don't feel like God would accept you. But I want you to know this and everybody listen carefully. Your sin is not an obstacle to God. I'm going to say that again. Your sin is not an obstacle for God. Some of the most dedicated, sincere followers of Jesus Christ came from some of the worst backgrounds. Don't you think for a minute that anyone here is better than you because they're not? And let me add to that, don't think for a minute that you're better than anyone else in this room because you're not. You see, we're all sinners. Levi was what? A sinner. And Jesus called Levi. And Levi, the text says, immediately got up and he followed Jesus. Jesus Christ calls sinners to follow him. The second thing we see in this story today is that Jesus also calls sinners to fellowship with him. It gets even more intense, actually. Let's go back to verse number 15 in the text because I want us to remember exactly the words that John Mark chooses for us today. Let's read this. Verse 15, while Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him. Many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him. In other words, Levi gets up and he's so excited about this whole notion of Jesus Christ calling him. He actually puts out an invitation to all of his friends. And he invites them over for dinner, the big banquet, with the guest of honor, Jesus, who is called the Christ. And guess who Levi's friends are? Well, yeah, you guessed right. More tax collectors and more sinners. After all, we just learned everybody else had turned their back on him. So these were people that were just like him. And the, the word sinners used here in the text refers to people of bad reputation in the community. In other words, these were people who were well known for being sinners. Now I stop here to say this. I love this. I love what this reveals to us in the story of Jesus. I love the way sinners flocked to this man called Jesus. They absolutely felt comfortable with Jesus. They felt loved and accepted by Jesus. They were attracted to his teachings. And Jesus was obviously just as happy to be with them. But guess who wasn't happy? The Pharisees were watching from a distance... And they were absolutely boiling 
on the inside. Let's go back to verse number 16 now, and let's hear the reaction of the religious people. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw Jesus eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why, and that's how they would have said it, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Now, folks, this was not an innocent question on their part. It was rather an outright accusation. This was a scandal worthy of the gossip column, right? I mean, there were rules. You don't eat with Gentiles. You don't eat with sinners. You don't associate with people like that. This was as big a scandal to them as your pastor hanging out at the local bar. By the way, let me ask you this morning. What would you think if I actually did that? What would your reaction be if your staff and your deacon body were hanging out at the bar here in town in Corsicana? Would that make you feel uncomfortable? I guess it would probably depend on what we were actually doing there. But I think it reveals something today. Are we prone to fall into the same trap as the Pharisees? I think maybe we are. But I know this, Jesus welcomed sinners and the Pharisees were disgusted by them. Jesus accepted those whom the Pharisees deemed unacceptable. And it reveals to us that God's mercy and God's grace, folks, they're for everybody. They're for everyone. And therefore, we have no right to withhold God's mercy or grace from anyone. And speaking of fellowship with sinners, let me share with you these, these words from Dr. James Kennedy. In, in his Evangelism Explosion material, he, he talks about how when we become a Christian, it's easy for us to get lifted out of our relationships with non-Christians. We get more and more involved with church and less involved with people outside the church. And so we have to be intentional. We talked about this last week. We have to be intentional about building relationships in the, in the community with people who don't know Jesus Christ. Now, I've been recently introduced to a new term that I want to talk to you about today. It's called third places. Now, I wasn't familiar with this idea, but it makes sense to me. And here's what it means. Most people's lives revolve around three places. We have work, and then we have home, and then we have third places. This is where we hang out when we're not at work or home. But our non-belief, we have, and, and for Christians, our third place is many times the church and church activities. But our non-believing friends, they have different third places. And if we never intersect with them in their third places, how are we ever going to communicate the love of Jesus Christ to them? Church, we have to meet the people in our community where they are. We have to meet them at work. We have to meet them at their homes. And we have to meet them in the third places that they choose so that we can talk to them about Jesus Christ. Friends, Jesus was a friend of sinners. Jesus is a friend of sinners. And he not only calls sinners to follow him, he calls them to fellowship with him. And I think that's absolutely incredible. 
Jesus calls sinners to follow him. Jesus calls sinners to fellowship with him. And the third idea today is this. Jesus calls sinners to repentance. Let's go back to verse 17. If you're wondering, the capstone of this entire passage is about to be heard. So the Pharisees, as we saw in the text, they were talking to Jesus' disciples with their accusatory question. But Jesus hears them. Jesus overhears the question. And it says in verse 17, on hearing this, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Let's think about a doctor for a moment. How many of us have ever been to the doctor? All of us. How many of you have ever had a doctor come to you? I stand here today to say, I certainly have, Mary has, and Mark has come to see me also. I've had several doctors make house calls and they're deeply appreciated. But here's what I know. A doctor who avoids the sick isn't much help to anybody. A doctor who avoids the sick isn't much help to anybody, but a good doctor, he'll go. He'll jump right in there with those who are sick, and he or she will work to heal them and help them. And if you're healthy, you really don't need a doctor. But guess what? Common sense, those who are sick really do. And that's what Jesus was saying to the Pharisees. Just as a sick person needs a doctor, so a sick sinner needs a savior. And that's why Jesus ate with tax collectors. And that's why Jesus hung out with sinners. Let's listen to his words. I think it's some of the most powerful words Jesus ever offered. I have not come to call the righteous, he said. Now that's ironic, isn't it? Let's think about it. I have not come to call the righteous. The truth is there aren't any righteous. They're only the self-righteous. These are those who think they are righteous, those who think they don't need a Savior, those who think they don't need Jesus Christ. But the truth of the matter, we've already established it in this message, is that we're all sinners in need of God's forgiveness. We all need a doctor. We all need a Savior. We all need Jesus Christ. And Jesus came for those who recognized their need for him, not for those who think they don't. You see, when you think about it, Jesus' response is powerful on both sides. It's a word of grace and acceptance to sinners who recognize their need, but it's also a word of judgment to the arrogant and the proud who think they don't need him. Jesus, once again, is calling sinners repentance. You see, he's a good doctor. He's a good doctor who doesn't leave anyone in their illness. And if he can cure them, he will cure them. That's his job. In the same way Jesus loves you too much to leave you in your sin, Jesus calls sinners not to stay in their sin, but to leave their sin and to follow him. Jesus loves sinners, but he hates sin. He's a friend of sinners, but hear me, he's not a friend of sin. You remember the woman who was caught in adultery? She was brought unto Jesus. 
He drew in the dirt. He asked the people to drop their stones. And then he turned to her and said what? Go and sin no more. He calls sinners to repentance. So I want us to go back to where we started. You remember the question I asked immediately after we read the text? Am I good enough for God? Well, I hope now that you can see that's the wrong question. That's like asking, are you healthy enough to go to the doctor? It doesn't make any sense. You don't need the doctor if you're healthy. You need the doctor if you're sick. In the same way, you don't need to be good enough for God. You need God if you're a sinner who falls short of his glory. So let me close this morning with a word to sinners and a word to saints. And just so that we're crystal clear, remember we're all sinners. Saints are simply sinners who have already been forgiven. So so first the word to sinners. If you're here and you've never accepted Christ, If you're here and you say, Pastor, I've never asked Jesus to forgive me of my sin. I've never given myself to him. I want to make it crystal clear to you this morning. You need Jesus Christ. Plain and simple. Watching online today, you need Jesus Christ. You need salvation. You have a sickness called sin that only Jesus can heal. And the good news this morning is that Jesus died for sinners like me and like you. And Jesus is calling you to come to him today. Will you choose to follow Jesus Christ? You need Jesus. And now a word for the saints. When Jesus was on this earth, he spent time with sinners, sharing God's love with those sinners. And he didn't choose to first judge them. He didn't choose to first condemn them. He chose to befriend them. And I think this passage today calls us 